Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever and his faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. All the earth shout for joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness, with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Come before him with joyful songs. Know, know, know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. And his faithfulness continues throughout all generations. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That is a hymn of praise. That is a hymn of praise. It follows a form. The form goes like this with hymns of praise. Call for praise, reason to praise. Call for praise, reason to praise. It's all there, right? It's right there. And a hymn of praise has a number of imperatives in it. This one, I think, has seven different imperatives. Action verbs. Shout. Worship. Come. Know. Give thanks. Praise his name. You hear it? Come into his gates. Enter into his courts. How do you come into the gates this morning? How do you enter into his courts this morning? This hymn reminds us, as all the hymns of worship do, as Pastor Joe reminded us last week, that in this worship moment, there is one central thing, one thing only, and that is this, that in worship we gather to glorify God, period. No amen at all. In this moment, in the worshiping moment, we gather to glorify God. It's the one thing, it's the central thing. It's how we can talk about worship being ordered rightly. Is worship ordered rightly? It is if the one central thing we do when we gather is to glorify God. But here's the thing. We get our worship disordered, don't we? We get our worship disordered. We, we sometimes come with other things besides the glorification of God. And it's understandable why. But 
when we do, we start to make worship about us and not about God. So we come wanting something. We come looking to be filled up. We come looking to have an experience or a feeling. And that's why people can leave worship and say, well, I just didn't get anything out of worship today. Who told you you were supposed to get something out of worship? As one pastor used to say around here, you're not the audience. God's the audience. And so we begin to get things backwards in our mind. We bring things we want. We bring things we expect. I want to be filled up. The service is just not filling me up. We bring our preferences to worship. I don't like that song. I don't like that liturgy. I don't like that order. And we misorder worship. And I want to humbly suggest to you today that if you leave worship with those feelings, maybe it's because you didn't make the first thing first. You didn't make the central thing the central thing, which is the glorification of God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with a joyful song. You get it? You hear it? You see it? Now, right in the middle of this hymn of praise, there's a really important line, scholars tell us. Know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. And biblical scholars tell us that maybe it should be translated more like this. Know that the Lord only is God. Or know only that the Lord is God. There is one God. It is Yahweh. It is the Father, Son, and Spirit. It is the triune God. Know that God and only worship that God. But again, when worship gets disordered, it's easy to begin to worship other things, isn't it? There's so many things that are literally clamoring for our worship. Worship me, they say. (laughs) We're the most important thing for your life. We can save you. We can offer you security. And so we begin to worship. That means we begin to put our trust in. We begin to put our faith in. We begin to gather our sort of life around our 401k. Right? Or our kids in college. Or the investments we made. Or a nest egg. Or our political or theological ideology. These things start to become the important things for us, and we begin to, in a subtle way, worship them. And so then we come into church, and we bring those things, and we say, God, take care of these things, won't you? Everybody's getting 5%, but can't I get 8%, Lord, on my investments? You're getting 8? I got 10. Wait. You see where I'm going? And we begin to bring our issues, our needs to this worshiping moment, and the central thing doesn't become the central thing anymore. Now hear me very carefully, friends. There's nothing wrong with bringing your, your, your petitions before the Lord. We do it every Sunday. There's nothing wrong with crying out to the Lord. We're taught to do that in Scripture also, by the way. But hear me carefully. In worship, the central thing is the glorification of God. And all that other stuff, it's a blessing of the Spirit. It's a secondary gain. Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I've got your back. I know what you need. 
I'm with you. I'm taking care of you. Oh, I look around the sanctuary and I know some of you have things that you're dealing with. But we have to keep the first thing first. Glorify the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord only is God. Know that the Lord only is God. There's also something else about that word know in the Hebrew. When that word gets translated into English, we grab a hold of that sort of in our typical sort of Western European way. No, K-N-O-W is about knowledge, right? It's about belief. And so some of us have actually worshipped theological ideologies. Well, I have to know this is the right thing to know. This is the right thing to believe. And therefore, if we stray from that, there's a problem. And so my job is to come in and make sure everyone's believing correctly. The heresy police. Anybody in the heresy police? But the word no in Hebrew there, scholars tell us, resists the urge to put a wedge between knowledge and action. It resists the urge to put a wedge between knowledge and action. Knowing is to do in the Hebrew. Believing is to act. So when we hear this, know that the Lord is God, know that the Lord only is God, surrounded by all this beautiful worship central stuff, here's what we need to be thinking. I need to make my worship a universal experience to the universal, universal God that invades every cell of my body. Because then guess what? Worship doesn't just end here. We know this, right? Worship is not the music. Worship is not the sanctuary. Worship is not this service. We worship here, we hope, we pray, we ask God to help us worship. But worship is our lives. Worship is how we glorify God in our lives and thought, word, and action in the world on a daily basis. And it's not easy, is it? It's hard. There's so many things clamoring for us to worship them. So many things telling us to take our minds off other things. So many things telling us you should have it your way. Your preference is what's important. But the psalm tells us something else. We hope this series will tell you something else. That worship is centrally, pivotably, elementary, <laughs> the glorification of God. That's where we begin. We rightly order our lives. So the psalmist says, call to praise, and then reason to praise. You need a reason to praise? Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us. It is he who has made us. We are his. We are his people. I don't think you believe that this morning. I don't think some of you believe that this morning. You were made by God. Oh, come on, church. As one of my, one of my African-American colleagues at Fuller says, I'm preaching better than your amen and He has made you. Another psalmist says it this way, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. 
You were knit together in your mother's womb. You are not a mistake. And some of you feel like a mistake today, don't you? I've been a clinical psychologist for a long time now. And people come in my office and they tell me stories. And many times at the bedrock of that story is something that goes like this. I feel like a mistake. I feel like I'm taking up space. I'm unloved. I'm unseen. I'm not known. And I don't have anyone else to talk to about this, so I had to come and pay you to listen. Sad, right? It is sad. I'm in a sad profession. Someone help me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's hard, and I'm so blessed and happy to be in those spaces with people. I know some of you have been treated like mistakes. Some of you may have even been told you were a mistake. Some of you feel like you're taking up space. And as one of my colleagues said the other day, at some point in our life, we look in the mirror and we say, what am I doing here? Anybody ever done that? What's going on around here? Friends, it is he who made you. You are his. You are his people. Do you need an antidote? to low self-worth? Do you need an antidote to feeling like a mistake, that you're broken beyond repair, that there's something wrong with you, that you're unseen and not known? Here it is. It is God who made you. God who made you. Not a mistake. Not an accident. God who made you. And some of you may even be watching from home somewhere. I was thinking about this this morning. You may be sitting in a room by yourself. You may have not talked to anyone for 24 hours, 36 hours, and you feel lonely. You are not alone. It is he who made you. And some of you are sitting here in this sanctuary with friends around you and family members around you, and you feel lonely. Guess what? You're not alone. It is he who made you. We are the sheep of his pasture. I love this, right? Because not only has he made us, not only are we that valuable, but it doesn't stop there. He's shepherding us. That's why we did a series on the Spirit before we did worship, because we wanted to remind you and help you continue to think about the fact that the Spirit is with us always. That's why I could say you're never alone. You're never alone. The, the shepherd, the spirit is with us, teaching us, reminding us, loving us, comforting us, challenging us, sometimes calling us up short. But the shepherd is with us. We are the sheep, the chosen, created sheep of his pasture. So, Enter his gates. Enter his gates how? With thanksgiving. Enter his gates how? With thanksgiving. Enter his courts with what? Praise. Give thanks to the Lord and praise his name. For the Lord is good. <laughs> Do you believe that this morning? 
Doesn't mean life's easy. I don't know who told that story one day long ago that becoming a Christian meant your life was going to be beautiful, loved, and hashtag blessed. I don't know who told that story. Didn't work for John the Baptist and most of the disciples, and they were pretty close to Jesus. But in spite of it, the Lord is good. How do you enter the gates? How do you enter the courts today? How do you enter the gates? How do you enter the courts every Sunday, every moment? How do you enter? How do you enter? You see, there's a human response to this call to praise. Call to praise, reason for praise. Response in praise. For the Lord is good. His love, his love never fails. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. I'm going to ask the band to come. I'm going to give you another chance to enter the gates. Maybe you were just warming up this morning when we were singing. It sounded like some of you were warming up, frankly. Brad, that's not my favorite song. Good thing it's not about you. I don't like that tempo. Good thing it's not about you. Enter his gates this morning. Enter his courts. Can we, as the body of Christ here at Paznaz, can we find a way to say to ourselves and one another in sort of covenant together that we will rightly order our worship? We will come into the space ready to glorify God first and centrally, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Oh, you're going to be transformed. Oh, you're going to be healed. Or you're going to be ministered to. I promise you that. But as a gift of the Spirit, not your work, not your begging, it's going to come out of the overabundance of rightly ordered worship as we gather to glorify God. Let's stand together and worship through music one more time. We're going to sing, Let Everything That Has Breath. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Joyful songs. Joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. 
We are his, the people of his pasture. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, enter his courts. Enter his gates with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. And his love, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Thanks be to God. Praise God from the